Welcome to Career View. This is the podcast where we ask questions you want to know when it comes to pursuing a career path. I'm your host, Nirija Shamal, and each episode I will ask questions on behalf of students across the country from secondary schools and universities what they want to know when it comes to pursuing their dream job. For today's episode, I'll be asking our top questions that have been submitted by students on the Career View website who are interested in pursuing a career as a speech pathologist. Joining me today is speech pathologist Sophie Lowe, who works with people of all ages alongside a team of health professionals. Now, Sophie began her journey traveling to remote communities and she has a lot of advice to share. So let's hear from her. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. And I really, once again, appreciate your time here today to answer some of the top questions that are asked by students when it comes to pursuing a career path of a speech pathologist, right? And we've got some great questions for you. And before we jump into those questions, like I do with all my guests, I have a very personal question that I like to ask and is not part of this list. And I want to know from your end, let's go back all the way to high school, right? Mm-hmm. Take you back there. And I want to understand when you were deciding what kind of career you wanted to do and eventually end up at speech pathologist, what was that whole process for you? And how did you know you were making the right decision? I didn't. I really didn't know that I was making the right decision at all. So I was trying to achieve you know, good academic results and something that would get me into university, mm. having a broad range of subjects to support that. I had sort of an idea of what I wanted to do at the time or what I thought I wanted to do Mm. with my life. So I was quite convinced I would become an environmental scientist when I finished studying at school, which hasn't been the case at all. At all. I very quickly realised that that wasn't for me. You're doing something completely opposite, if anything, right? Different industry altogether. So environmental science, first initial kind of goal or target after high school. How did you know that environmental science, why did you even think about that? Was there other options? What did you want to do during that whole years of high school? Yeah, so I first half of high school, I, I had an inkling that I, I wanted to work with people. Mum's a teacher, so that sort of led me towards that, but I didn't want to go into teaching. Mm. And then the second half of high school, I just had these really brilliant teachers at school, one for geography and one for biology. Mm-hmm. So not even health sciences, but I really fell in love with those subjects and did well because I enjoyed them. Yeah. And so I thought I'd pursue a career in environmental science. So I took, you know, the top maths and chemistry and all those subjects that I could see were prerequisites for that. And then my brother's an environmental scientist, so in talking to him, it made me realise with, as a result, not liking chemistry once I studied it, it made me realise that, yeah, environmental science wasn't for me when he told me how much chemistry was involved. Was involved, yeah. yeah. Then how did you actually find yourself going towards the speech pathologist road? Yeah, so I had applied for environmental science at university and then we'd had this conversation and I'd realised that it wasn't going to be a good fit after all. And my cousins and my aunties all invited me over for a ladies' lunch, which I thought was quite nice because I'd turned 18 and I was thinking it was because I was an adult. And I remember we were all chatting and sitting around and then everyone was like, okay, this is an intervention (laughs) for you. We can see you're lost and you do not know what you want to do. It's an ambush, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, with love and care, of yes, course. Yeah, 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 a very caring ambush. <laughs> and so they sat me down and laid out all these different options for me. I could mm. defer and spend some time thinking about what I wanted to do or travel or I could go into something and try and hop through university degrees if I wanted to. I had a cousin who studied 
for 10 years and they said, you know, as long as you do it within 10 years, you won't be that member of the family who's <laughs> pipped in with that. Yeah. So, yeah, they, they threw all these options out to me and then one of my cousins, her children had seen a speech pathologist and so I just remember her saying, oh, well, what about speech pathology? Mm. And I didn't know a lot about it at the time. I remember, like, I think I, all I knew was, like, you know, kids with lisps or stutters and that we could support that, but I really didn't know anything beyond that. Yeah. So I, I did a bit of reading and looked at the career like pathway and looked at the core structure and I didn't understand most of the words on it because it was all things I'd learn about eventually. Yeah, yeah. But I applied for a place at Curtin University and got in, mm-hmm. didn't take my offer for environmental science and, yeah, that ended up here. The rest is history. Yeah. And three years now working in this role, you must be obviously happy in what you're doing and it's it's great to know that, I mean, I think it's, it's very comforting once again for people and our listeners out there to understand that it's never a linear path to get to where you want to be. You will have these kinds of moments, whether it be an intervention with your family, whether it be just trying to understand is this the right pathway for you, little moments where you're just trying to navigate to see what would work best for you. Never as easy as finding it that answer immediately. And I think it's really important for people to be aware of that. Yeah. And I mean, even when I got into the degree, I still wasn't sure if it was for me. I remember I saw a careers counsellor at Curtin mm. to talk about options and filled out some big quiz and yeah. did all of that. And I still wasn't sure if I was going down the right path. I mean, a week into it, I, I remember at the end of the first week calling my mum and saying that you know, mum, I'm going to defer. This is not what I want to do. Wow. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. It's amazing to hear that. Once again, there's someone now working in the field yeah. and, and doing it full time. This next question, actually, the first question that we have for you now, Sophie, that you, I think you'll enjoy because it relates to what you just touched upon. But first question asked by students when it comes to a speech pathologist is that, how did you know that this was the right career for you? And maybe at what point did you realise, even knowing that the first week you realise calling your mum, I don't want to do this, or maybe I don't need to do this, or yeah, when did that happen? Yeah, I think, so after calling mum, she said, don't be dramatic. You've been there for a week, just stick it out. So I stayed with her, I did a year, Mm. and then by the time I'd done one, I still wasn't sure if it was what I wanted to do, but I wasn't sure what else I wanted to do. So I thought, I'll give it another year, see what I think. Yeah. Did my second year and it wasn't until the second semester I did a unit that I I found really, really fascinating. And by that time I'd started picking up some volunteering and some shadowing work on the side just to get a better idea of what speech pathologists do. Mm-hmm. In hindsight, I, I mean, I wish I'd done that sooner. I think I would have come to the conclusion, but I did in the end anyway, so it's all worked out well. Yeah. But yeah, I did this one unit for stuttering and I just found it so fascinating yeah. and I realised it was something I wanted to keep keep studying and then through those shadowing opportunities as well and seeing speech pathologists doing their work, it made me realise that it was what I wanted to do. Fantastic. So a mixture of having really good one experience with this unit and would you say also predominantly was it the practical side of things that gave you the real perspective of what the role actually involves? Absolutely. And I think with that one unit that I had, it was sort of that first unit where we, I think from from memory, we started looking at more intervention. Prior to that, I'd just been learning all the foundation knowledge that you need to know as a speech pathologist. So once I'd had a bit of understanding of what we actually do and then 
had seen it in practice, it made me realise what that could actually look like for me. Fair enough. Excellent. And probably interesting for people out there who want to consider this pathway, get some practical experience, get some volunteering, just have a little understand, have an understanding of what this career could look like in terms of everyday operations, right? Absolutely. And because it's such a broad field, it's not just limited to what people often think it is, where you're just working with children or, yeah, it's so much more than that. And there's so many opportunities that you can do or follow and go into. So finding out about those is really, really beneficial. Excellent. Fantastic, Sophie. Moving on to the next question that we have for you asked by students is, did you have any influences growing up that led you to this career? Or maybe in your case, was there anyone that just motivated you to just continue to pursue and maybe even shape the way you look at this job that you do now? Yeah, I think for me, definitely the teachers I had in high school, just because they really fueled my passion for science, they really pushed me. I was going to say to do well in the subjects, which I don't think was the case. They more motivated me Mm. to do well in the subjects because I found it so fascinating and so interesting learning about those topics. And so I think that really helped me and influenced me to move into something in the science sphere. Okay. And then I guess my family, you know, they'd always encouraged us to work hard Mm. and to work towards the things we wanted to achieve and to try and be independent in doing that. Yeah. So I think I'd I'd always known I was going to end up at university because okay. of that. Mm. But studying what, I don't know. Yeah. And then I think just from having, you know, so many relatives who either are working in teaching or other professions where they're helping and supporting people, I knew I wanted to do something that would make an impact and that I would feel passionate about and that would feel rewarding for me. Yeah. And did you seek out some of those family members? Did you seek out some other potential mentors or they kind of come to you just saying, hey, Sophie, what are we going to do? Yeah. I don't remember growing up really anyone coming to me apart from my little ladies lunch intervention (laughs) with the family. No, I feel like growing up, I really, I don't remember having a lot of guidance in terms of supporting me Mm. to explore careers. Mm apart from maybe in, like in year 10 in high school when like, we had our careers counsellor go around and talk to you about what subjects you were going to do. So a lot of it I felt like I had to figure out on my own. Yeah. And you know what? You're not alone. Even till this day, I work in the education sector where I see that unfortunately career advice and showing different career pathways and options is very difficult sometimes for schools to be able to provide that for all the students that need to be going out, right? Sometimes there's only one career counsellor or advisor in every school. And you've got three, 400 students as an example to give, I mean, decision-making kind of life-changing pathways in which they want to pursue their career. So still to this day, I think it's, it is a hard thing for people to understand when there is also so much noise coming in with social media, with news, with, with different potential options. So once again, it's a problem that I think not only exists back then, but also now as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just, I always remember this underlying pressure that you always have everyone going, what are you going to do when you grow up? What are you going to do when you finish high school? And that was this expectation that you had to to know or have some idea of what you were going to do. Yeah. And so that's probably why I latched onto environmental science pretty quick yeah. in thinking that, oh, well, that, you know, that meets my interest in biology and potentially geography as well. So perfect. Yeah. I'm just going to go and pursue that. Yeah, I like it. Um, moving on to our next question that we have for you is, what does a typical day look like for you? My days really vary which is something I love about my job. So I'm split across two roles at the moment. So I'm working as a speech pathologist and I've just recently taken on a role as an assistive technology consultant. So more specialising in assistive technology as a speech pathologist. Okay. 
So within my everyday caseload, I'm out in the community, whether that's at schools or people's homes or sometimes at our clinic and supporting people across a lifespan to achieve their goals. So it really is varied. One minute you're you know, playing on the floor with a child with cause and effect games and the next minute you're sitting down working on literacy or yeah. talking with an adult about the goals that they want to work on. So it really really fluctuates throughout my day and that's mm. something I really like. Yeah. keeps me on my toes. That's great to hear, yeah. And what does the schedule look like from Monday to Friday when you start the day? What time do you start? What time do you finish? Just to give people and listeners a really clear visual of what's your workload throughout yeah. the working week. Yep, so it's really flexible. Half my job is split between my speech pathology caseload role and mm. the other half is my assistive technology role. So I'm quite flexible in the hours I get to work. I just have to work the hours I... I have 40-hour week or 40 I think it's 37.5. Something like that. Yeah. 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 So I could start at 10 and finish at 6 if I wanted to or start at 7.30 and finish at 3.30. Excellent. Which is really cool. Right. And then, yeah, between the roles it just it really varies. So I, some days I'm out and about and doing things and some days more so with my assistive technology role I'm based at a clinic and we're assessing and trialling and prescribing systems. Yeah, wow. So. It really fluctuates. Really fluctuates. And is that common in that speech pathologist career path and role to have that second role in terms of assistive technologies or how did you fall into that as well? Yeah, so I, well, coming into the role I'm in, so I work in the disability sector, so out in the community and supporting people in their everyday environment. And through that role, I I get to do a lot of work with augmented and alternative communications. So looking at communication devices and how we can support people to use different modes to be able to communicate the messages. And I found that really fascinating. Mm. I really, really liked it. Mm. And so I'm really fortunate at the place I work, they have a specialist team Mm. who prescribe communication systems and work with families to figure out exactly what they need. What they need, yeah. Um, So I've been lucky that I've had this opportunity to go down this pathway. Right. Um, Okay, and that's how it's opened it up for yourself. Yeah. Yeah, Excellent. Great to know. And once again, probably interesting for aspiring speech pathologists out there that they can have maybe potentially a work environment that allows a lot of flexibility in the job. It's not this kind of rigid, structured, there is a bit of wiggle room where you can be flexible with your work hours. Yeah, 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 definitely. Very comforting. So moving on to the next question that we have for you is, does the work ever become overbearing? Yes, sometimes. Our caseloads can be quite demanding. You're working with so many different families and involved in their whole life situation often. So it can become quite challenging. I think from a compassion perspective, I I feel like there's often a lot of compassion fatigue. You're constantly supporting and helping and caring for people and thinking about how you can best do that. So I know for me, it it took me a little while to figure out my work-life balance and really understand how important that is. And I think in knowing that that's really helped me because I think it was something that my my team leader had said to me once that, you know, you're spending all day helping and caring for other people and thinking and supporting other people, thinking about and supporting other people. You're going to be able to do a good job at that if you're not doing that for yourself. So that's something that I really keep in mind and that helps me to manage all the demands of work. Yeah, fantastic. And that's a big point, I think, work-life balance in any career and any pathway, understanding how to make that. So you had your team lead to kind of guide you through that. How else do you manage that in terms of, so basically, what do you do to manage that? Is there things that are you just disciplined with your time or is there outlets that you seek outside of work that also help you with that? What exactly do you do to manage that overbearing nature of what the work does sometimes impart on yourself? Yeah, well, I guess within the workplace, I have a clinical supervisor and I have 
really fantastic colleagues who I can seek support from mm. clinically and just you know, in managing it, working in, as a speech pathologist. Yeah. Outside of that, I think it was really about setting boundaries for myself, you know, not working ridiculous hours of overtime, understanding it's okay if I need to to book in leave for myself and it's not because I'm going on holiday, just because I need a little break. A little break, yeah. And finding hobbies outside of work. I think when you really like what you do, sometimes it can sort of consume yeah, your brain the definitely. whole time and I think about work all the time all the because time. it's interesting and I used to, you know, listen to podcasts about it and read about it outside of work and I think setting boundaries for myself so that I have time to explore other interests and passions as well has been really good and helpful for me. Excellent. And there's more to life to work. So on to the next question that we have for you is, what did you find the most challenging part of the job when you first started? I think just the sheer amount of learning required. I very quickly felt out of my depths because I hadn't had any placements at uni that were similar to the work I was doing. Mm -hmm. So it was just lots and lots to learn and I think initially I felt like I needed all the answers right now because you know I have a session tomorrow and I need to know exactly what I'm doing and it's funny because now in hindsight I didn't need to know all the answers Mm. at the time I I knew enough and I was doing the best I could and I had the support to help me and it's funny now because I think that's my favorite part about the work is that I'm always learning and there's always something new Mm. to learn about Mm. but yeah initially it just it felt like there was so much to know, yeah. but no time to figure it all out. No time in. to figure it out. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. So did you find anything that during your time studying at university, that knowledge you could apply in the real world and in terms of your work, was that very applicable or you feel like you had to start from scratch in terms of understanding what you needed to do on the job? There definitely was a lot that I was able to apply. And I think the yeah. best thing or the best learnings came from my clinical placements and the practical opportunities taught me so much Mm. as well as those volunteering and shadowing opportunities that I took on outside of my studies. I think I learnt a lot from getting in there and actually getting to do it and then having the theoretical knowledge behind me to, I guess, when I saw something, understand, oh, that's why that's happening or this is what I need to be thinking about or doing. Yeah, and I think that's great advice for students listening out there is to, once again, find an opportunity where you can get that practical experience. Go do some volunteering, get an understanding of what that involves and start building your knowledge. If this is something of interest to you, start somewhere. It doesn't have to be just university because you said there's a lot that you could apply, but the real learning comes from being on the job, right, and being exposed to the surroundings. And so I think that's very important point you've touched upon. Next question that we have for you asked by students is what are the main perks of working in this field? Well, where do I start? Here we go. (laughs) I guess, I mean, the first one that I think everyone says, and I, I can definitely attest to it, is that it's an incredibly rewarding career to go into. You're supporting people to achieve their goals and that's a really awesome feeling. Yeah, definitely. But Um, let's get into the really good stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Benefits. I guess for speech, it being just such a broad career, I think Mm. the biggest benefit is that everyone has different areas of special interest that they want to go into. Mm. And I really like that with speech pathology, the the perk is that you have all these opportunities. You know, we work across the lifespan. So you could be working with children or infants. You can be working at end of life. Mm across so many different sectors as well. And I think for me, the other 
big benefit was that I get to work so closely with all these other allied health professionals or specialists as well. So I get to learn from them and see what they're doing and apply that to my own practice too, which is really cool. Fantastic. So there's just a lot of room for growth by the sounds of it that you can continue to excel in different fields and even in your own career professionally. Yeah, definitely. It's, I don't know what I was going to say there. Yeah, and I would also probably touch upon the point that you have a lot of flexibility from by the sounds of it, you know, in terms of your work, nature and the nature of work. And you seem like you're quite always on your feet, if anything. And I don't know if that's a perk or not, but it sounds like it suits your kind of lifestyle and requirements, if I'm correct. Yeah, yeah. I've been just really lucky that the company I work for, there's a lot of flexibility okay. for me. And that's been really great, particularly as a, a new graduate starting out, mm. that it wasn't really rigid and really structured well that that can be helpful I think because it's it's a lot to take on mm. initially it was nice that there's a bit of flexibility there yeah for us and that they were they really acknowledged that at work and I know for colleagues of mine we were, we were chatting about how we all went in straight into full-time work and a lot of the girls I work with have dropped down to you know nine day fortnights because they realize that they don't need to be jumping straight into it and yeah. all the demands of it and that taking some time for themselves alongside that is really helpful. Excellent. Next question that we have for you is what is the pay structure like? And if you don't mind giving some detail about this, because it is a very popular question we get, obviously, there is a tremendous investment in time in your studies, in terms of the work itself, in the sacrifices you may make in terms of getting there and also just making a decision and commitment to the job. So obviously, pay and salary and all of this is very important. So curious to know what you think about this. Yeah. Yeah, it's quite funny, because when I was offered my first job, which is the job I'm in now. I don't think I really looked too much at the salary that they offered me. I just remember saying yes. I was really excited. I loved the sounds of the role. And it wasn't until I think about a year in where they were reviewing salaries and I got an email about my salary and I opened it and I thought, oh, I thought I was already on that salary. And then I looked back at the original. I hadn't even read the number properly. Yeah, for me, initially it wasn't a big factor Mm. in choosing where I wanted to work. I just wanted to get out there and start doing things. But now I find, I guess the pay structure in my workplace is that you progress based on your years of experience. And then alongside that, it's also based on, you know, your skills and professional development. And so those two things come together and help you to move up the salary ranks okay. as you go along. Yeah, yeah, no problem. And just sharing some light on when you first started, what does that range look like and how does it progress? I mean, you've said based on years of experience and you know professional development. Yeah, so I think my initial salary was somewhere in the 60s and it's gone up over the years. So now I'm sitting somewhere between 70 and 90 yep. around that range. And progressing further means years of experience and professional development. How does one build their professional development in this career path that you have? Yeah, so there's lots of opportunities for that. There's a lot of professional development out there, which is really great, whether that's, you know, taking on trainings or listening to webinars, things like that. Right. Some are paid, some are unpaid to be able to do your job. In my workplace, it's, well, a lot of it's based on credentialing structure. Okay. And so, you know, you're, you have to demonstrate that you've developed your understanding in certain areas and gained experience and then you're able to progress through as you go along. Right. Which is really important to being able to do your job well. And and is that like an interview or is that you demonstrating in front of a panel of people or what does that look like? (laughs) I'm just not from this world. So curious to know how does that work? Yeah. Yeah. So um, at my workplace, it's with annual performance reviews. Okay. So 
I have monthly meetings with my team leader and monthly meetings with the clinical supervisor. And then once a year we come together and we determine where I'm at based on some credentialing and sort of it's like an informal interview really. Right. It's not scary or anything like that sitting in front of a panel, no. And we have a chat and we talk about where I'm at and if I'm meeting the expectations to progress in my career. Right, so hitting your KPIs or setting some like main benchmarks that the company or anyone has set out for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I've gained experience in different areas of speech pathology. Fantastic. Excellent. Last question that we have for you is, is there any other career opportunities you can explore based on the skills that you have and may have considered now? Yeah, I guess this year it's been assistive technology Mm. for me, which is something that I hadn't expected to be doing at this point in my career. I thought that'd be a down the track thing. But there are other opportunities if you wanted to go into research or professional development, education and support Mm. others to build their learning as well as I guess it's just with the career being so broad, I could go into working in a hospital or residential aged care or other government roles. So there's lots of different career opportunities. I I haven't necessarily considered them because I really like where I'm at at the moment. moment. So So you're kind of focusing right now on the short term, I'm enjoying what I'm doing and then over time maybe these things might interest you at some point, yeah? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Excellent. And that wraps up all our questions that we have for you. Sophie, thanks so much for sharing your insights. And this is what we like to do. We like to hear about people's individual experiences of how they got there. You having a very interesting pathway, starting with environmental science, and now very happy in a career path of a speech pathologist. So really interesting to have that perspective. For our listeners out there who have more questions for Sophie that did not feature on our list today and would like to connect with her, just visit our website, careerview.com.au. This is where you'll find Sophie's profile and you can send us some more questions, which I'm sure she'll be happy to answer when she has some time. And with every episode, please don't forget to submit the questions that you want to know, especially to young professionals who've been there and they've done that and they can share their story. Now, before we let you go, I have one last question that I wanted to ask you, and that is, if you had a chance to talk to younger Sophie back in high school or university, what advice would you give her based on all the experiences you've gone through now and now working full-time as a speech pathologist? I would tell young Sophie that it's okay if you don't know right now. You've got plenty of time. Being in your 20s seems like you're really old, but you're really not. (laughs) And I think I would tell her that it's okay to take on the subjects that you like in high school and you don't have to push yourself to do subjects that you don't feel confident in or you're not going to excel in because they're just not your forte. That's okay. You'll still get to where you need to go in the end. So I think when choosing subjects for ATAR, picking things that you feel confident in and maybe that motivate you or that you're interested in and following those and that'll get you to where you need to go. Such great advice. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me.